This is Monkey Business, and you are the listener, and we love you for it. And I am your host. This is Chris, and with me, as always, is the the Mighty Monkey crew. Uh, we got Billy. Hello. And Tanya. Hi. And producer Sherry. Hello. And in the studio for her first run at the at the microphone is our event manager for, for the Flower City Comic Con, Sarah Woo-hoo. Marvin. Say hi, Sarah. Hello. Sarah, you're going to be uh, hanging out with us for today? Yeah. That's phenomenal. That <laughs> I'm looking, this is cool. I like having you on board. Um, and when we do our business, you can actually let us know what's going on in terms of events and stuff because that's kind that. of your thing. We had a successful viewing of The Princess Bride and we got all sorts of stuff up our sleeve, and it's mainly because of Sarah. So that's good stuff. Yay, all right. Sarah. <laughs> so uh, this podcast brought to you by our sponsors, and I get to go through a very long list of that as Dolly and Edwin walk into the studio <laughs> late. Again, it's okay. You're lucky. I love you guys. But our sponsors, Knox, Selena's, First Print Comics, The Great Escape Room, and Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey. Uh, Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey is uh, bringing us Caitlin Blackwood, the young Amelia Pond from Doctor Who. And, uh, and so we thank you to all of our sponsors. And we have a Patreon shout out. A new Patreon. <laughs> and and it's like stacking the deck, this one. This, it is. This one feels like we're stacking the deck a little bit, and it's well, almost making me feel bad that I'm not supporting my own podcast at this point. <laughs> yeah. The whole reason Thanks, why. Thanks, Tanya. Yeah. So That's our, the whole reason why. Our newest Patreon <laughs> shout-out is our co-host, Tanya Metris. I, you know what? Way I just felt that I had to support what we were doing ourselves. You haven't put enough money into this organization yet? Well, I haven't put enough money into the podcast Oh, yet. I see. The organization, yes. I see. Okay, but yes. But we have to support our podcast just a little bit more. There you hey, go. $2 Absolutely. a month. It, that's my bottle money. Okay, so. there you have it. And uh, then Apple Podcast Five Star Reviews. An easy way to support the show is to give us a five star review on iTunes Apple Podcast. Five star reviews make it easier for others to find us and expand our listener base. Every five star review will be thanked on air, and comments or questions you leave will be read and answered. And we say that, but nobody's taken us up on it yet, have they, Sherry? We've had a couple. We've had a couple? Yeah, we haven't had any questions. But we, we haven't had have, any questions yet. But we have had some really nice reviews. Okay. So keep them coming, people. That's outstanding. Maybe Please. people are afraid of what answers they'll get. Sarah, have you <laughs> enjoyed being group? a podcast Patreon uh, sponsor so far? I have, and That's I it. also left a review on Apple. So. Oh, thank you, dear. <gasps> thank you very much. Is that the one we sure couldn't account for? Maybe? I don't it know. It was the first one you guys read yes! off. Yes! Was it really? <laughs> I, That's sure phenomenal. That we acknowledged her several times. We are really <laughs> good at, at patting ourselves on the shoulder we were, in this we, organization. When we said, we're like, we don't know who this person is. But thank you very but much, because it was very you. kind of you to say. <laughs> You're welcome. We figured it was somebody who knew us. Um, yeah, and do you want to know who the second one was from? Your mom, you? wasn't it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mommy. not striking, uh, no. oh, I'm stacking the deck at all either, is it? Hi, doll. Hi. How you doing over there, kiddo? Good. I just had a piece of brownie that Sherry made. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Those are, yeah. Sh- <laughs> Sherry can cook. That's for sure. That's a thing. Or bake. Is bake. it bake yeah. or cook? It's you I, do both, I do really. Both. You I do, do both. really. Do I'm both. A, I think I'm a better baker than I am a cook, but I'm go. getting to be a better cook. All right. Yeah, everyday hero. We, do, we, we don't have a everyday <laughs> hero this week, do we? Do you have one, Bob? Do you have one? Actually, Edwin has one. Come here. Come, Edwin. Edwin. <laughs> Not all heroes wear capes. If you know a police officer, firefighter, EMT, paramedic, nurse, current, or former military person who is your personal hero, send us a message telling us about them, and we will give that person a shout-out in the air. I actually have one, too, so Edwin, go for it. You first. Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to my sister. She's uh, currently still in the service right now, and, you know, I consider her a hero because she shovels so many things, you know, taking care of the kids and then also, you know, serving our country. So I just wanted to give a shout out for my sister. Absolutely. What branch is what, she in? What branch? Uh, she's in the military, Army. Okay, she's in Army. Branch. What's her name? 
Her name is Dagmar Torres. Dagmar Torres, our Woo! everyday hero. And I personally would like to uh, to thank uh, Dr. Ertrick and his uh, high-end staff at Strong Memorial Hospital. I had a little little procedure done this week myself. Uh, I'm starting to age, and my body is telling me that it's, it's happening. So I had to go in and get some uh, maintenance repairs, and those guys were absolutely astounding from word go. I, I know that you out there uh, will not believe this from the sound of his voice. Chris is old. <laughs> I mean, he has all his hair, though. I do, as, as opposed to most. As opposed to most, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely feeling my age. I'm feeling everybody's age today. But yeah, he's not all... the oldest in the studio or at the gaming table. So. No, but I'm feeling I'm feeling like I am today, so that's it. But uh, but no, thank you. I was in good hands, and that was really kind of cool, and, and it worked out really, really well, so there you have it. All right, so on to business. Billy. Yes, sir. Are we ready to, to bring our friend in for the day? We are. Outstanding. I shall hit pause and dial Did up. Did we and talk we'll about be ba- upcoming oh. events yet? Oh. We, the whole I did. reason Sarah's here. Oh, my God. I remember me. <laughs> she's, she's, like, did we talk about she's, the she's looking at me at the moment, isn't she? Yes, yes she is. big, wide, soft eyes. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> if, in, in my defense, I've recently been out. Or I've been recently under sedation, so. It's still the drugs. It's still the drugs. <laughs> still the drugs. Um, hi. And now we're going to backtrack a second. I want to lead into, I'm going to introduce Sarah Marvin, our event manager for Flower City Comic Con. Hello. What, did we give you a proper title? Is it like event manager? Sounds kind of like, you know, like you run a party house. Yeah, event coordinator. And is it event coordinator for Flower City Comic Con or is it event coordinator for Mighty Monkey Corporation? For the Mighty Monkey Corporation. (laughs) She's much more important than just a a weekend event. Absolutely. So, because Sarah has been. she's She's pretty much in charge of everything. But the convention, convention. convention. eventually we're going to hand those reins over to her. Yeah, she's going to do eventually. It she's going to be running the convention too, and we're all going to be standing I, in the background going, "Hey, hiring her was a good idea." <laughs> she will be the director, and we'll be all her assistants. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Really, me too. She's like so, qualified she, assistants. Yeah, overqualified, but you know, it's not good. She looks a little frightened. No. Sarah, dear, what do we have coming up so far? What do we got going on? Um, for February, we have the Minicon coming up at Grease Ridge Mall. That's mm-hmm. on the 10th and 11th. Okay. Um, lots of fun stuff. Cosplay contest. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some guests from Power Rangers Dino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Dino Thunder. And then on the 24th, we have our cosplay karaoke at Knox, which I am super excited about from 8 p.m. <laughs> till 11 p.m. And I was a Knox last night for a couple minutes, mm-hmm. and the speaker's system does work with their smart tv so that works they did test it out the other day and then the microphone is set up to a different speaker system it's just like a regular portable Mm -hmm. one so the music will be coming over the whole um, party room and then everyone singing comes out a different speaker no are we doing turn that down are we doing fundraising or anything like that too at this event um, I'm thinking that we might take some donations to make Chris sing something really embarrassing. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Not my stunt double, Chris, but it's actually going to be me. Gotcha. Chris Frank sing Baby Hit Me One More Time. Oh my God, yes. Actually, it was funny. That, during, was, that was brought up. During the last staff meeting, they were actually talking about um, I'm a Barbie Girl from Aqua. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I promise that if that's the one that's actually selected, I'm going to sing it down here. <laughs> I'm, a Just like, I'm a Barbie Girl in a Barbie World. Okay. 
Come oh, on, here. Barbie, let's go. And we'll also have some raffle tickets for sale that should be starting this weekend at Minicon. Yes, yep. we have our raffle coming up to do that. Any more information you want about the raffle, just go ahead and look for that on our website. Um, FC3 latest guest announcements. We have Jake the Snake Roberts from World Wrestling Entertainment uh, Hall of Fame. Yay. Uh, we have <laughs> character actor extraordinaire Eric Avari from More Things Than We Can Even. We don't have enough podcasts to go through all the stuff the that's mummy, in Eric's credit. The Mummy, Heroes. Stargate. Um, Star, I think it's Star Trek. I think he's been yes, in everything yes. Star-ish yeah. at one point or another. Yeah. Uh, Josh Herdman, who played Goyle in all the Harry Potter movies, he's making his first oh U.S. <laughs> convention appearance <laughs> at is. Flower City Comic Con. And can I tell you, our sponsors from Knox, the owner Kelly's like, woohoo! <laughs> all the, the first, Potter kids. It's the first year the that they've been actually Literally. able to get to the convention because yeah. they've been on vacation the other oh, that's years. that's great. So okay. her and my niece, Callan, are like so excited to be there. And then Michael Kosk from The Walking Dead. He plays uh, a, a variety, variety of walkers. walkers. He's been killed by Daryl on several occasions. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. All right. So what's going to happen is the the audio is not going to hiccup at this point. And when we come back. Station identification. Station identification. This is WFC3. Anyway, uh, when we come back, we are going to have the author Jim C. Hines. So give us a second, and we're going to go get Jim, and we're going to have a little talk. All right. So we had our little short break, and as promised, we are in the studio, and on the phone with us now is the author Jim C. Hines. Jim is the author of the Magic X Libris series, the princess series of fairy, fairy tale retellings, the humorous Goblin Quest trilogy, and the Fable Legends tie-in Blood of Heroes. He is the latest novel, or excuse me, his latest novel, is Terminal Alliance, book one in the humorous science fiction Janitors of the Post-Apocalypse Trilogy, which I cannot wait to talk to you about, Jim. I'm telling you, just the title alone has got my attention. Jim is an active blogger about topics ranging from sexism and harassment to zombie-themed Christmas carols and won the Hugo Award for Best Fan Writer in 2012. In some circles, he is best known for being the guy who did those gender-flipped SF cover, cover poses. <laughs> He is. He lives in Mid Michigan with his family. Well, welcome from Mid Michigan, Jim Hines. Thank you for joining us today, sir. And it is wonderful meeting you. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. And and I have to say, um, we we were talking about it during the run up when we were getting our prep done. And Sherry was mm -hmm. showing me the uh, the pose off that you were having with John Skelzy. And I got to tell you, that's probably one of the the funniest things I've seen in such a long time. Uh, and now, what was your inspiration for for doing that? Um, originally, that whole project started out with just looking at book covers in the genre and the way that women tend to be just consistently um, not only objectified and sexualized, mm -hmm. but done in a way that is a disservice to the story and to the character. Okay. Um, it's yeah. I, I've had some people push back and say, you know, what are are, are you? just being a prude and saying we're not allowed to be to have women be sexy and it's like no that's not it that's not it at all mm -hmm. it's that that's the default that that's we we put women in these poses and they're not strong poses they're 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 posed they're painted it's almost like an incomprehensible amount of physics that are involved at times, yes. Mm -hmm. um, violating physics, violating anatomy, uh -huh. violating all sorts of scientific rules. 
And so I started out, I was just going to write a blog post saying, hey, maybe we should be respectful to characters, and yes, if mm-hmm. this is appropriate to the character, sure, but this doesn't have to be every single woman in that twisted, you-can-see-my-butt-and-my-breasts pose. Yeah, in the same picture. Right. At the same time. And and that's and kind of, fun. do you find that this this commentary is kind of a theme of yours? Because I do see, it, like, we, we talked about it in the intro a little bit, you know, an advocate against harassment against a lot of this the stuff that is kind of colored entertainment and media as of late. Do you find that this is an offshoot of that? It all ties in, yeah. It all ties in. Um, it's all part of, you know, the way we treat women, the way we treat marginalized groups. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so many layers to this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it occurs at so many places in the process. Like the cover poses was not about attacking artists. Because those cover requests, they come from marketing. They come from bookstores. Yes, the artists have some input into it. Mm-hmm. So do the writers. It, it, it's just, it's complex. I don't think, you, you know, you've touched on that. I don't think I actually knew that. You you have not as much say about the cover art as, as, as I would think. Like, I would figure the author would say, okay, this is the picture I want on the, the cover. But other people have their input on that. Uh, commercial publishing, generally, the author has very little input, if any. Huh. Um, my first, at least the first three books, it was basically, I would get an email, and it's like, here's your cover. Oh, okay. Fortunately, I love it. So, <laughs> good. Yeah, the, uh, <clears throat> the cover of Codex Born is probably one of my favorite book covers. I oh, love her. I think she's so gorgeous. I, I really like Lena, and that was that book cover um, was right after the whole cover pose thing had started coming out. So mm-hmm. at that point, I was able to email my editor and say, look, I want to have Lena Greenwood on the cover, and if you do the boobs and butt pose, if you contort her into one of these, the entire internet is going to come down on your head <laughs> and mine. Yes, and... <laughs> so we... The other piece, I think part of the reason authors don't always get a lot of say in the covers is, uh, to be honest, the fact that we can put words together doesn't mean we know anything about visual art. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. But by, by the time we had gotten to the Libriomancer books, my editor had, she and I had started to trust each other a bit more. Mm-hmm. And so I think she knew she could ask me for, you know, do you have any ideas? trusting that I wasn't going to be a complete, um, let's say, prima donna about it. So for that one, I was able to look at some of the the photos that the artist did for reference. And we actually went several rounds because the model he got, you know, and I thought the model was great, but she didn't know how to hold a sword. <laughs> the entire first set of photos, it was just painful. Oh, so, <laughs> No, but he actually he was he was very willing to work with us. We sent him back some reference photos. He worked with the model again, did a second round of of photo shoots for reference, and yeah, I was really happy with what we came out with. Now, I, I think you know when Sherry and I were talking about this, and she was kind of introducing me to to your your background and whatnot. When I heard about Hugo, mm-hmm. the Hugo Award, um, that was a big thing for me because I've I've been a 
I'll just I'll, I'll go ahead and knock myself. I've been kind of a, a writer, an author wannabe for a long time. For most of my life at this point, I've been tinkering with writing and stories and like that. So the opportunity to get to talk to an actual Hugo Award winner is kind of like a film <laughs> school student talking to Spielberg. It's like one of those moments where like, oh, cool, you've been there. You've done the thing. Mm-hmm. And and so this is kind of a great thing oh, for boy. me. Um, <laughs> well, it's, yeah, no, no pressure. Um, yeah, but, no, uh, just, me and Spielberg, yeah. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> You guys are tight. Like you guys are like this. You got the fingers crossed and everything. Um, but oh, but sure. how does how does a journey like that begin? Is basically the, the where I'm heading with this is is where where does it start? How did the inspiration come about? And and how do you feel that you know it kind of evolved into to what you do today? Do you mean the writing journey in general, or yeah. the Hugo journey in particular? Well, I you know the Hugo. Did you does anybody ever intentionally when they start? Uh, writing sci-fi and fantasy, do they, do they ever intentionally start writing to, to earn a Hugo, or is that just kind of something that happens along the way? You know, I, I used to think, you know, most people were doing it for the stories, but mm-hmm. after some of the stuff that's been going on in the genre the past few years, I don't know anymore. <laughs> there may be some that are just, I'm doing this because I am brilliant and I deserve trophies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't imagine was... what you're referring to. Hmm. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, yes. <laughs> that, that was not that was not a goal when I started. Right. Um, I had the much more traditional idea that I was going to sit down. I had started writing. Honestly, it was Dungeons and Dragons fan fiction. It was what does my character do after this module? I've done that. Had, I've been there. Oh, yep. me too. I'm a dungeon and master had, myself, so and I'm actually <laughs> guiding Sherry through an email campaign at the moment. So yeah, I'm, I know how that works. Yep. But yeah, I, I had the much more down-to-earth expectation that I would write this story and then <clears throat> sell it, and then it would be a bestseller, and Hollywood would throw lots of money at me, and I would <laughs> have this Dungeons & Dragons movie. Okay. Because I assumed that was how it went. Well, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I never considered all of the trophies, probably because I didn't know enough about them. Um, but yeah, so I, I wrote that... Uh, discovered, hey, this is a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. I should do more. Started writing some short stories, started submitting stuff, thinking, here we go. I'm writing. I'm sending things out. The monies will flow in. Here, Here is my life. And as you can probably imagine, it didn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, spent the next decade or so collecting rejection letters. Oh, boy. Because, okay. to be honest, those first stories were really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them I even ended up self-publishing and giving myself the mystery science theater treatment. Really? <laughs> is that that, um, Sherry's notes I'm looking at, is that the, the Rise of the Spider Goddess? Yes. Okay. So that you republish it wrote. with your with your own notes in it. Yep. That's phenomenal. 95 Jim wrote the actual book. Uh-huh. And then 2015 Jim <laughs> annotated it just full of Snark and <laughs> God, what was this young guy thinking? Uh-huh. That's awesome. How many times can a character raise an eyebrow? <laughs> <laughs> did you count it? I did. There's a running count in the book of all the eyebrow raises. That's oh, phenomenal. Nice. <laughs> Give us a spoiler now. How many is it? What's the number? Oh, it's been too long. I don't remember. Okay. Well, we'll have to just read it <laughs> ourselves now at this point, but that's You'll okay. You'll just have to go buy the book. I'm, that's, I'm, it's on my list of things to do now. <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, despite all of the rejections and stuff, mm-hmm. I discovered I love this. I love creating stories. I love mm-hmm. those moments where oh, 
and, and you, Ray, you probably know, where, where everything just comes together. Yes. You have that moment of, oh, God, this is clever and brilliant and wonderful. Yes, I'll put it on the page. I wear a rut in the uh, the carpet of the second floor of my house because I pace back and forth while I'm thinking about ideas. And I remember one time uh, where I had something just kind of like all fit together and I'm like, oh, my God. And then a new idea pops in. I'm like, oh, my God. So, yeah, I know those eureka moments fairly yes. well. It's addictive, isn't it? It is. It's like an adrenaline rush. It's amazing. And like with the with the Libriomancer books, at one point I was doing research and I came yeah, – um, Libriomancy is a form of magic that was founded by Gutenberg. Okay. And I'm researching Gutenberg's life, and he was actually put on trial. And the transcript from the judge, there's a part where they're saying, you, Gutenberg, are accused of developing and being a master of a secret art. Oh, man. Now, historically, they were, they were presumably talking about the printing press. Right. But they never say it. Mm-hmm. And it was just another of those moments of, oh, my God, this is perfect. Uh I am obviously meant to write this book and this story. And Gutenberg is a wizard. Awesome. So, yeah, moments like that. Such a I don't know. I'm, like, looking motorcycle riding dryad, packs a pair of oak cudgels. I'm like, this is, like, D&D all ready for me. I'm like, (laughs) I want the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we, we find people to interview that are basically, they would be our tribe. Yeah. You know, it's, this is... <laughs> want to come back to New York for us? For yeah, I know. We've got to get you guys in from mid-Michigan sometime. Come hang out with us. Um, now, Liebermancer, when, when, was that, when did that come out, Liebermancer? Anybody? Liebermancer came out in 2012. 2012, and okay. And then there were three more books in the series over the next few years. Mm-hmm. And then just last month, there was a novelette that I put out that sort of continues things a bit. Oh, okay. Very cool. And <laughs> Sherry is doing a little dance because she's like, have you read it already? I have not read that one You have one not yet. read it, so you're excited. <laughs> Basically, there's an yes, anticipation yes, to it. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, and what other projects are coming up so far, Jim? Well, um, you mentioned Terminal Alliance, which came out in November. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on the second book in that trilogy. Okay. Uh, beyond that, uh, I've sent a couple of pitches to my agent to pass along, but th- those are sort of secret things I can't really talk about. <laughs> right. Except to say it would be really cool if one of them gets purchased. Okay. Um, they are, the agent is also shopping around a middle grade novel that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. All right. Well, good luck with all of that. That's phenomenal. Um, sh- um, Sherry, go ahead. Well, you just touched briefly on um, your latest book series, so, um, can you tell us more about that? Because we absolutely love the entire every title that's involved with it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, Janitors of the Post Apocalypse. Yeah, that's the one. Um, <laughs> it started out as a combination of two um, rather traditional science fiction ideas. One is the zombie apocalypse, and one is the aliens arrive on Earth. Mm-hmm. The problem being, the aliens arrive after the zombie apocalypse. Okay. So they've, they've been getting all these signals. They're like, oh, Earth, they're intelligent race. Let's go make contact. And they land, and they see this, these sort of shambling, uh, unintelligent humanoids. And it's like, well, this does not match <laughs> all of the signals in the broadcasts. And, you know, and... The humans at that point do what zombies do. They start trying to eat the aliens. <laughs> it doesn't go over well, but in the process, 
the aliens are realizing, okay, we're shooting them and it's not doing anything. We're, you know, our little lasers, they put holes in, in the humans and they keep coming. Mm. You know, if it weren't for how stupid they are, these humans would make really good space marines. <laughs> and it evolves from there. Hijinks and so they, Yeah. They, they work to try and cure the humans. They sort of succeed. Mm-hmm. And fast forward 100 years, we have humans running, flying around on the spaceships serving as the Earth Mercenary Corps. Okay. Not as bright as humanity originally was, but very difficult to stop. And, of course, the whole galaxy thinks, you know, oh, God, not humans. They're monsters. They're just like one slip away from going feral and trying to eat my face. That's amazing. Okay. And so I'm seeing how that's all de- – okay, that's cool. And then – And then – There's more. Um, I started writing, and the first draft was from the perspective of some of these space marine types. Uh-huh. And I realized – no, these guys are too competent. This isn't funny enough, and I want this to be funnier and fun and goofy. So threw away the first draft, tried again, and said, and now the entire crew of the ship has been incapacitated except for the janitorial staff. Oh, God. <laughs> so now these humans have to figure out how to fly the ship and fight the bad guys and deal with the conspiracy and stop the space battle and all this other stuff. And really, the only thing they're good at is cleaning the ship. <laughs> <laughs> so there are scenes where, okay, you know, bad guys are closing in. Okay, can we shoot at them? I don't know. I'm pulling up the tutorial. Green <laughs> <laughs> pops up. It looks like you're trying to engage evasive maneuvers. Would you like assistance with that? Uh, and that's the book, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I'm I am so stopping at Barnes & Noble on the way home. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <thank> you. <laughs> Just that alone. Um, I, I have a question. Go ahead, uh, Billy. When when yeah. you were growing up a young man, what books were your favorite to read? Because I think every artist, author, writer, singer uh, has something that influenced them along the way. And I'm curious what influenced your work and what you just enjoyed as, as you were a young man reading. For a long time, I, I was very much into all of the Star Trek books. Okay. Um, this would have been 25, 30 years ago when it was possible to collect and buy all of the Star Trek books. <laughs> I know. I, I enjoy the Star Trek books myself, and yeah. you just can't get them all anymore. Right. Um, my parents eventually got tired of me reading nothing but Star Trek. Did so you they... re- Did you also read the James Blish uh uh, versions of the television show because I, I I had some of those yeah okay yeah the sort of novelize the script exactly and, yeah. yep um, but yeah what broke me uh, into the larger science fiction fantasy uh, my parents picked up Raymond Feist's Rift War saga mm-hmm. and I said, ooh I love this this is cool so devoured all four of those books and then started branching out a lot more but. For years, Star Trek was the big one. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And I did like some of the traditional young geek stuff, the Narnia books, mm-hmm. uh, Wrinkle in Time, all of those. Now, since your stuff has a sense of humor, I'm assuming Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was somewhere in there. I did eventually discover Hitchhiker's Guide and Terry Pratchett. Um, loved all of that stuff. Picked up the novelizations of some of the Red Dwarf stuff. 
Oh, wow. Well. Okay. I love Red Dwarf. Yeah. I absolutely love Red Dwarf. Well, it's uh, British. I haven't seen the most recent stuff, but at least the first five or six seasons were. Mm-hmm. Th- th- this was very much a part of my college upbringing. Yeah. The sheer absurdity of it. Absolutely. Yep. The sheer absurdity of it. Dolly, did you? I've seen it twice. (laughs) Yeah. Gone through. Now, Dolly, did you have a question? I did have like a random writer question. Okay. Oh, I like random questions. (laughs) I'm definitely your girl for that then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're talking about your process of writing and how you go through Mm -hmm. when you're creating your novels. Mm -hmm. I do a little bit of script writing and I was just curious. Is it normal to act out your dialogue to make sure it sounds right? Do you do that? No, process? that's really weird. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, everybody's got their own process, too. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got what works for them. Um, but, yeah, there are people who will talk out the dialogue. Uh, I've got one friend who blocks out all of their scenes using Barbie dolls. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, sometimes it'll be just getting up and pacing around the room trying to figure out how to do a fight scene. Um, but, yeah, reading aloud, uh, whether for dialogue or just in general, you catch a lot. Mm-hmm. And it it does make a difference because when you're just typing it on the screen, there's or a typewriter or writing by hand or however you, you do you, your brain knows what's supposed to be there and it will sometimes fill in the blanks or smooth, smooth over something that sounds awkward or bumpy. When you read it out loud, you've got to slow down. There's much more of a focus on the actual words on the page. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you do catch a lot more things that way. I've, I've discovered that like I'll, I'll set their stream of consciousness and I'll knock out two or three pages and then I'll go back and read those two or three pages and go, oh, what, what was I thinking then? Where was, where was I? Oh, okay, yeah. Let me slow that down. Oh, I have to fix this and I have to change that. Yeah, so. no, I've actually acted it out, like throwing myself on the floor as one character stood up as the other character. Yeah. I, I, I'm blocking it out as film. Yeah, don't hurt yourself in the process. <laughs> it's like some of those poses prefer- that he does where he's hey. falling off the couch. Try, trying to see the boobs uh, in the butt yeah. at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, not working out. Not working out. Sherry? Okay, um, so I have a question for you, Jim. Okay. Um, our very first uh, major interview that we did, we were lucky enough to get Mark Ashiro, and I oh, know cool. he, yeah, he's fabulous, and he oh, was, yeah, it was fun. He yeah, was, was good... he was just absolutely wonderful, and um, I know he did was he one talk of the about con- his new book. I'm sorry, what? Did, did he, he talk? get to talk about his new book? Yes, he anger did. is a gift. Yeah, he, he did. did get to talk about that. He said, "Tell us about your book," and he went, "Guys." I wrote a book. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Like he did, and, it, and it's, he had he had this wonderful sense of like it was surprising even to him. Yes. You know? <laughs> he is. He's if you read his blog post or even just talk to him, he's in that sort of state of wonder. Yes, uh-huh. absolutely. I, I did the thing. I did the thing. <laughs> Not really real yet. Yeah. Um, but the reason I bring him up, other than because I know you know him and he's always fun to talk about, is that I know he was a contributor for your first Invisible anthology, and I was wondering if you what? could talk to if you could talk to us about that. The Invisible anthologies, um, there's been three of them now. They're all published in ebook, um, and they are collections of essays. And with with volume three, we added poetry talking about representation in science fiction and fantasy, the impact it has, the importance, the power, and 
trying to look at that representation from a lot of different perspectives, uh, racial, sexuality, religion, uh, ability, disability, neurotypical. Um, basically, I just, for each one, would put out an open call and say, hey, we want to talk about this. We want your personal stories about how representation or the lack of representation mattered. Uh, and Mark's essay was, uh, it, it was wonderful. It was, it was beautiful. powerful. He opened up talking about how he and his brother, when they were growing up, the representation that they found, the only representation they found, was Speedy Gonzalez. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That was the only character that they could find that they could relate to. And just the fact that this little sort of caricatured mouse, that's all that, that you had, mm -hmm. is just, damn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and people talk about, you know, the first time they really found themselves in stories or what it meant. Um, one essay was about somebody who was bisexual but didn't, didn't understand, didn't know what is this that I'm feeling, this is messed up, this is wrong, until they found this character in a book. And it's like, wait, that's me. Mm -hmm. That's, that, that's the, the, the terminology for what I'm feeling. This is who I can be. You mean that's okay? Um, you get stories like, um, one of my favorites is Whoopi Goldberg. Mm -hmm. uh, Whoopi Goldberg was not a contributor to the anthologies, unfortunately, <laughs> um, but she had done an interview that I referenced in one of the introductions where um, one of the reasons she got into acting was Nichelle Nichols on Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And the first time she saw an episode and Whoopi Goldberg just starts shouting in the house, it's like, Hey, Mom, hey, everybody, you've got to come here. You've got to come look. There's a black woman on TV, and she ain't no maid. Yeah, I've heard of that quote. Yep. Yep. And just so all three anthologies have been, they've been powerful. They've been eye-opening to me just mm -hmm. how much of an impact it has. Who gets to be the hero in these stories? How do we treat these characters? And what do people learn from that? Mm -hmm. um, for volume three... I co-edited with Marianne Mohanraj, which it was her idea to bring in the poetry. She brought in uh, a lot of new uh, contributors and stuff. I think volume three is probably the best one yet, um, thanks to her help. But yeah, it was a way of talking about representation and trying to build that conversation. Okay. And help people understand, you know, writers and readers, this is why this stuff matters. Yeah. Absolutely. Because honestly, I mean, growing up, you know, I'm middle class, straight white dude. This was never an issue for me. Yeah. Right. I had no problem finding heroes that looked like me and acted like me and mm -hmm. thinking, yeah, I can be anything. I can be a starship captain and a Jedi and superhero and all of that. Mm-hmm. That's that's our privilege shining through, isn't it, Jim? That yeah, yeah. And I know some people have a knee-jerk reaction to that word, but uh -huh. it's yeah. When when you are surrounded with everybody telling you you can be anything you want, mm -hmm. it never occurs to you that other people don't have that. 
I can relate. <laughs> That's why my connection with Wonder Woman is so strong because growing up, the only, like, I've always been a top heavy girl since I was younger. <laughs> and the only mm-hmm. representation when I was little was Jessica Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of yeah. slutty. Yeah. I'm not bad. I'm just yeah. drawn that way. Yeah. So, like, and that was always the representation with women who had. Mm-hmm. Boobs. It was they were always represented as you know kind of slutty and easy, and then something I to look of, at. Yeah, and then I kind of found Wonder Woman, and that's why I'm very so vocal about how I feel about Wonder Woman mm-hmm. because that was the first time I found representation of mm-hmm. a woman who had you know features like me and was strong and wasn't someone to mess with and right. wasn't just a piece of eye candy for everyone to sleep with. Well, like, like, <laughs> like, well, you know, and fitting in early on for me, as I was reading books, as I was reading, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy, whatever, I was always able to insert myself into the story. I could take on, like, one of those characters was me. I could see myself being that person. And just about any book I picked up, I was able to find somebody who I could relate to, you know, and as Jim was just saying, you know, not everybody can have that, that story. So it's, it's important to be able to expand and, and, and evolve and, and move forward. And then you're devastated when that character dies. That had, did it happened to me. It did happen to me one time. I was reading a Heinlein book, and the, and the character that I was identifying the most with got like white, obliterated. obliterated yeah. And I was like, oh, oh no! <laughs> or they make a movie that changes yeah. the character. Yeah, or change. Yeah. Or your character dies in D and D. Okay. Okay. No, no, we're not going there. No, the no, no, we're way off. We have. But you identify with the character. We have wandered off. <laughs> we have wandered off. Hi, Jim. <laughs> Sometimes those character deaths. I mean, like there was. The one time my character was dressed in full plate mail and decided he was going to jump into the whirlpool, whirlpool to try and save someone who was drowning. Yeah, I can see that happening. Yep. And, you know, sometimes the deaths are not the DM's fault. Sometimes it's like, <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. That was dumb. I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go roll somebody up. <laughs> Just going to be over here rolling dice. Don't mind me. <laughs> yeah, y'all carry on when we have a particular friend of ours who's a dm when he's at the table i always come to the table with my main character and then there's a folder with two or three extras just because i know what's going to happen you know one of those dms one of those dms he only has done the total party kill like three four times three four times yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh see so it's it's great this is why we bring in people that we can relate to because because we nerds we have to flock together that's all there is to it um one of the things i love about conventions yeah now, do you get a chance to go to many conventions often? Do you get to get a chance? I go to a few each year. Uh-huh. Um, partly these days, it depends. Um, sometimes I'll get invited to be a guest of honor or um, um, something like that, which, okay, this works because they cover the costs, and I'm not making that much money from all of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a local convention I go to every year. Uh, there's one in Iowa that I go to every year as Toastmaster. So usually like five or six events a year. Okay. Jim, I don't know if yeah. you're aware of this, but we have a convention. <laughs> <laughs> this, really? This podcast <laughs> This podcast was created about a year and a half ago uh, to be the... The at the extension of the Flower City Comic Con, we're we're about we're the mouth of the convention. Yeah, we're we're about <laughs> the mouthpiece. Yeah, but we're about the mouthpiece of it. We're about three four years old as a convention right now. We're working on our third show. 
Um, and we are here in Rochester, New York, and, and Tanya and I are actually two of the five executive board members. <laughs> and we just looked at each other, we're like, as you're talking about getting to conventions and, and whatnot, like, we're looking yeah, at each other like, hey, maybe, maybe we can have another author. That'd be great, you know? Um, especially, one that, especially one that's part of a tribe. <laughs> yeah, you know, seriously, come on over, we'll you know, throw a D&D game and uh, we'll sit around talking oh, yeah. about books all night long. And he can jump into the Whirlpool. And jump into the Whirlpool. Yeah, um, plate. But yeah, I mean, if, if you happen to be in Western New York in uh, in say early June of 2018, and you want to stop by Rochester and see what we've got, we would we'll, we'll roll a table out for you and uh, in, and uh, go like, from there. Like around the ninth and the tenth. Around the ninth and the tenth, maybe. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think the weather's gonna be nice then. We, it, you know, well, it's Western New York. Anything's possible. Yeah, well, it could, could snow. snow. <laughs> it could snow. Yeah, it could have a blizzard. <laughs> I, I, I'm in Michigan. Snow. Is <laughs> yeah, not. it's kind of a way of life. I, isn't it like just like yeah. kind of like yeah. insane? Yeah. Pe- people in Michigan longitude? and Eskimos have both have like dozens of words for the you know for snow and most of them are obscene yes i was just gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) there's a reason i love you that's it that's it um but yeah seriously if uh we will carry that conversation off uh offline but if you're interested we would love to have you on board and and bring you in and and introduce you to a whole new crowd of folk i do like meeting new folks See? Especially geek people. There you go. There's a lot. And of we got a lot of, of geek people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> geek flag fly. We um, in our first year, we had a couple thousand people come through the door. We had a couple, you know, just a little bit over that in our second show. And now we're really getting the marketing going, so we're expecting a, a, a really good crowd, probably three 15. to four. No, <laughs> that's, that's that's year six. This that's is year, year three. Six? Okay. We got to we got to we got to you know evolve naturally. We can't force it. So right. we got our, we've got a proper convention center and everything here in Rochester. It's very civilized. Very nice. So. But yeah, that would be that would be phenomenal to have you on board with us. Um, with that being said, I want to circle around to um, Rise of the Spider Goddess real quick. I want to pass by her, and it was part of the Prose Killer Chronicles. Was yes. that the only book of the Chronicle? Was there other member? Are there other facets of the of the Chronicles? No, no, that, that was that's the only book I was, was just trying to come up with as over the top a title as I could. Nice. Okay, I like it. that's what I was hoping you were going to say. Actually, <laughs> yep. There are. T- I, I, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No. I, I was going to say. I think that was inspired part. I, I had a Pat Rothfuss book nearby, and he's working on the King Killer Chronicles. Okay. <laughs> and and Pat, I mean, he can do that really epic fantasy, and he does it really well. Yes, mm-hmm. he does. Me, no. If I'm going to do it, it's going to turn into a joke. <laughs> <laughs> right from the beginning, we have to embrace our our, our strengths and go from there. Yeah. I have to say that as a friend of several people who um, want to write, who are working on writing, there are two books that I always recommend to them. (laughs) Um, The first one's been out for a while. It was uh, a book that uh, David Eddings wrote about the process of when he wrote um, The Belgariad. Mm -hmm. And now, since this book has come out, it's been... Rise of the Spider Goddess. <laughs> I'm saying you have Aww. to read these two books. One will teach you how, what to do, and the other one will teach you what not to do. <laughs> and that was one of the goals. Yes. Yes, there you go. <laughs> that and to just sort of have a laugh. Well, yeah. I, you know, I think well, it, it means a lot to know that the author is willing to take a shot at themselves because you've got a lot of these, a lot of these folks. I mean, when I grew up in college, and and you know, I, I get the sense that you and, and I were pretty much contemporaries in our college mm-hmm. career um, that uh, you, you meet these people who are they're they're at the beginning of the adventure. So their opinion of what they're capable of is, is we'll call it slightly inflated. And, and 
uh, I, I met a, I met an actual philosophy major. I didn't know they existed. And uh, that was kind of a bizarre thing to deal with. So to, to, to see what they were capable of then and then to be able to look back at it now and, and be able to just take an honest look at it and, and be, a, be of good humor about it, I think, is very important. The other aspect is, I mean, there's sort of this whole myth about being a writer, that some people are just born to be writers and they sit down and the words magically flow from them and yeah. then Hollywood throws all the money. No, that's not how it works. We all suck when we start. Yes, we do. You have to learn. And so kind of putting myself out there that, look, it's 2018. I've got 13 books in print. I'm doing okay, but this is where I started. Mm -hmm. And if I can get from there to where I am today, you all have a pretty good shot of doing it yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there is a third book that I recommend to people who want to write, and that's John Scalzi's You're Not Fooling Anybody When You Take Your Laptop take to, your the, laptop to the, the Coffee, coffee shop. shop. Yeah. <laughs> that's the other one. I don't think I know that one yet. I, oh, that's a good one. Okay. <laughs> Ursula Le Guin had a couple of collections. Yes. Uh, one of them is called Steering the Craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I mean, it's much more deep and thoughtful than anything I've put out and I would I, I would venture to say it probably gets a bit deeper than some of John's essays as well <laughs> um, but it I, I could see it being a nice counterpoint yeah read some Le Guin read some Scalzi read some Heinz and then just kind of rotate through <laughs> and repeat rinse and repeat. rinse and repeat that's some good that, well, that's some good advice um well, I, I love reading Le Guin, but I can only read so much at a time because there's just so much there, and my brain, it it gets filled up. Right. Like, okay, brain full. I have to go, you know, read Spider Goddess now. <laughs> squeeze it all out. There it is. <laughs> let it let it let it absorb, and then move yep. on. Oh man, that's fantastic. Um, I don't think I, I think I'm good. Uh, are we good? Yeah, I think we're good. I'm back to looking at the covers. Bad, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Tanya's just scrolling through covers at the moment. She's actually trying a couple of the poses out herself and, and finding. <laughs> actually, I think I can contort my body. I, no, you, you need a you need a chiropractor for that one. I think. I yeah. So. Well, it's funny because I've actually read one of those books that's on your uh, post. I've read the um, Yasmin Gellernorn series, the one that um, the Indigo Court ones. So I'm like, and I didn't pick the books for the covers. I uh-huh. picked the books truly for the right. story. And I'm like, ah, the covers are like, yeah, okay. And then I go into the story. So that that's me personally. But and then there are times where the cover is better than the book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like, I I've wish I was that, that. person. I think I, it was funny. I had, a, I had a friend of mine from high school show me a, a short story that I wrote when I was 15. And, and the, the best way to describe it would be a grammatical inferno. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know. But uh, all right, we're going to let you off the hook at this a, point. What's that, Jim? I'm just going to say, when you get to the point where you're putting out your short story collection, yes. that would be an excellent title. <laughs> the Grammatical Inferno? <laughs> this yeah. is, that's coming from an author. That's, seriously, no, <laughs> I'll, that take that, I'll take that advice in a heartbeat. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I would pick that up. Oh, see, now, <laughs> uh, now I have to write did it you write? Did you have to see the, the spider on his... Uh, 
I try to avoid the, spiders the whenever flaming possible. Flaming spider yeah. that's over here. Flaming spider. That's a good way to look at spiders. Yes, flaming. Yes, good. <laughs> it is a character in the Libromancer books. Is I it? should warn There's you. There's a spider yes. in, the, in the. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, I and I don't like spiders either. But <laughs> thank you, Jim. <laughs> Smudge is special. Okay. Is. Smudge is special. He is special. His name is Smudge. Yeah. It's yeah, Smudge really the likes. spider. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. Smudge has an attitude. He has ended up being. You know, more popular than any other character I've done. Has he really? In some ways, it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you read um, The Black Company? Black Company. Oh, that's, that's Glenn. Glenn Cook? Um, Glenn Cook. I have not yet. It's one of many things on my list. Oh, okay. Because that that's one of the series that's like when you were saying Smudge and that spider. It just reminds me of a couple of characters, One-Eye and Goblin, the two company wizards that mm-hmm. are in The Black Company, and they are trying to one-up each other with practical jokes. Okay. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, so. Something to look forward to. But smudge the spider. Uh, smudge the spider. I'm okay. definitely going to have to go get yeah. this now. I saw a spider the other day. It was, it, it was not smudge, but he's he's now smushed. Splat. Yeah, <laughs> there's a difference. Yeah. Oh, Jim, thank you very much for your time today. I truly appreciate uh, getting the chance to chat with you. You are very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful. And so like you're going to go have a Super Bowl party now? Um. Not so much. Uh, <laughs> you're going to see what go. commercials are happening? Uh-huh. That, that is not my geekdom. Yeah, no, yeah. not ours either. It's, uh, it's, it's basically it's D&D for, ner- or for jocks at yes. this point. Is what's yeah. the, the fantasy draft? football night. Yeah, yeah, that's the draft. And nothing against them. I mean, no. we've got our cosplay. They've got their cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got to remember that line, Billy, oh, for, I, for I, I've used it. I've used <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. I know you've used it for Tatulio. Yeah. That's outstanding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was at the store earlier today picking up uh, some some stuff before I came over to the studio, and uh, and somebody was like, "Yeah, Philly, yeah, yeah, uh, Patriots," and they look at me and they're like, "Who's going to win?" I'm like, uh, "Yankees." I don't know. <laughs> Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Justin Timberlake's going to win as long as there's no wardrobe malfunction this year. All right, so this has been Jim C. Hines, Hugo Award-winning uh, author, and uh, we again appreciate your Go time. Check we'll, out his books. Go definitely check out his books, Libromancer and the Princess Stories. I, I wanted, to, hey, you know what, I wanted to ask about that next time. We'll have you, we'll have you out to the convention. And we'll ask you about the Princess books. Sounds good. Sounds great. And uh, I do once again appreciate your time. And we will say our farewells at this stage. Thank yes. You. Good. We're thank gonna, you. Out, thank Fine. you. And out cue time. <laughs> Love this music. All right, this has been Monkey Business, and I am your host. This is Chris. We are the Mighty Monkey Corporation, purveyors and producers of the Flower City Comic Con. Coming at you June 9th and 10th, 2018, at the Rochester Riverside Convention Center. Follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com backslash F-C-3-R-O-C. Like us, love us, and sign up on Patreon. And we will see you all soon, and have a great day.